Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the Small Biz Chat Lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Have you subscribed to the Small Biz Chat Podcast? Well, it's time. Every Wednesday, we offer listeners bite-sized actionable tips to start and grow a successful small business. In just 20 minutes or so a week, you can get a ton of insight and resources to propel your business forward. Be sure to subscribe to the Small Biz Chat Podcast today. Hi, everybody. You're watching the Small Biz Chat Podcast, and I'm so excited you're with us. Now it's time for all of us to learn about the new science of interviewing. My guest is Anna Papalia, and she is an HR expert with over 1.5 million followers across her social media platforms. She is the author of the new book, Interviewology, the New Science of Interviewing, and she has consulted with Fortune 100 companies taught at Temple University and coached over 10,000 clients to interview better. Her groundbreaking discovery of interview styles revolutionized the way we teach and understand interviewing. She's also a public speaker at the Society for Human Resource Management. For more information, you can go to theinterviewology.com. Anna, welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. Thanks, Melinda. It's nice to be here. Oh my gosh. So so tell me, how did you become this HR czarina of, of interviewing skills? Like, how did you go on this path? Well, I, you know, like most people sort of stumbled into it. I went to a school for psychology and I really thought that I was going to become a, a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist. And I had an internship and I realized very quickly that I hated that. <laughs> I quickly made a little detour and I thought, well, I really like organizational development. And I, I really was always fascinated in work. So I had another internship in human resources and I I liked it better than my previous internship, and I started right out of college as an HR generalist, but I was really bad at it, really, really bad at it. Probably should have been fired. I was making lots of mistakes, and luckily, one of the corporate recruiters literally dumped a pile of resumes on my desk and said, I'm just too busy. Can you help me call these people? And I thought to myself, they're going to pay me to talk to people on the phone? Yes, please, I'll do that. And it was truly love at first sight. Uh, I immediately um, switched into a recruiting role where I was promoted several times. And then I realized if I really wanted to learn how to recruit, I'd have to become a contingency recruiter, which I did. And then I was recruited to become a director of talent acquisition for an organization. And in that role, I recruited everyone from mail clerks to executive vice presidents. I built an intern program that the company is still using to this day. I truly loved my job. I, I thought that it was the intersection of all the things I cared about, organizational development and partnering with hiring managers to find the right fit for their department. And every hiring manager had different needs and I loved it. But I had this weird feeling. I had this, I was unfulfilled. I wasn't totally content. And I went to the president and I said, I'm young. I don't have kids yet. I have a little money saved. I, I want to start a business. 
and I want to teach people how to interview. And like almost everyone, he thought I was completely crazy. <laughs> like That's not a business. But I just knew that there was no other place for me in that organization. I could have still been working there to this day. Um, but I got out in 2011, left the corporate world and started doing just that, teaching job seekers and hiring managers how to interview better. The dean at Temple University, where I had hired all of my interns, uh, asked me, come on in. Can you teach all of the students how to interview? Because you know what they're doing right and wrong. You were hiring them last year. So for 12 years, I taught at Temple University. And in that time, I collected a lot of research and I interviewed thousands of people and helped thousands of students. And I realized that the way that we teach people how to interview is, is really ineffective. So I set out to make it better and kind of calling on my background in psychology and what I went to school for, I thought, what if I could write a personality assessment that would determine someone's interview style and I could help people better? And what I realized is we don't all interview the same way. And I discovered the four interview styles and that gets me to, to present day. So talk to me about what is the major disconnect between interview performance and who will actually be good at a job? Well, first of all, the biggest disconnect is that we even believe that inter interview performance has anything to do with someone's performance on the job. We have to step back first and think that, that we even believe that how someone interviews is a good correlation on how they'll be in the job. So first of all, in America, especially, we conduct what are called social interviews. And we have conversations with people to see if we like them, to click with them. But most of the jobs that we're hiring for don't require those skills. So there's a major disconnect. Are we you know, if you are interviewing for an actuary, for example, or an accountant, does that accountant need to like, you know, have all of these social skills that we emphasize in an interview? No. So first and foremost, we need to get really clear on the type of interview that we're having so we can then better understand, you know, is this going to be a good correlation, right? If you're interviewing a salesperson, for example, then sure, you want to see if they can connect, if they're, you know, client facing, if they have strong emotional skills. Otherwise, some other jobs don't require those things that we often emphasize in interviews. What about like, I'm a small business owner, I'm really busy, I need to hire two new salespeople. You know, is this something I should consider outsourcing or is this something that I should actually try to do myself? Well, as a small business owner myself, I've owned a business for 12 years. That's it's personal, right? It depends on how much money you're making. It depends on your skill set. Some of the best advice I got when I started my business was, you know, the, one of your first hires needs to be someone that, that replaces you. And then your second hire has to be someone that is a skill that you absolutely cannot do. So I think you need to ask yourself some of those questions first. And, you know, making hires for small business owners is really difficult because it's expensive and it's a big risk. And here's the, the, the piece of advice I give all business owners. If you're going to hire, you need to prepare. And this is one of the problems that small business owners especially fall into. They think that an interview is just a conversation and I'll feel it out. That, that's 
never the way it happens. An interview is not a conversation. In fact, it should be treated like a test. You should go in prepared with great interview questions that you have created from the job description. If you know really well, and this is something small business owners don't do, they don't think deeply about what do I need this person to do? They're just busy and they need some help. So they're just like, just I'm just going to hire someone that can help me. But then they get into a problem because those people might not have any skills that are a good match to whatever it is they need. So the first step is always figuring it out, creating that job description from there, writing great interview questions, and then treating each interview like a test, having a structured interview, you're asking everyone the same questions. And then most importantly, getting really familiar with your own personal biases. And biases come from your preferences. In my research, when I discovered that we all interview in one of four ways, you're either a charmer, challenger, examiner, or harmonizer, they all prioritize different things. And we all think that everyone interviews like us. But that's the great first step in really building your self-awareness and understanding, oh, like that's my bias. Maybe I didn't like that person because they didn't connect or they didn't tell stories or they seemed really private and closed off. That's just your bias because how someone interviews doesn't mean that they're not going to be great at the job. It often just means that you you, you may not like how someone interviews doesn't mean you're not going to, they're not going to be well qualified for the position. Mm-hmm. Well, what other things should you be looking for as, you know, like the tactics, right? So you said, I need to prepare, you know, write a good job description. I need to have great questions. I need to ask everybody the same questions. And you said, I need to understand my biases, but what, you know, what does that, like, how do I do that? Right. How do I put that mirror up to my face? Hey, Melinda, what's your issue? Yeah. Like, how do I do that? Um, in this, in the course of being a small business, trying to, to f- figure that out. Well, you can start by discovering your interview style. You can go to my website, theinterviewology.com and take our scientifically valid interview style assessment. And if you start there and you figure out what your interview style is, you'll better understand what you prioritize and how you get someone to see you as qualified. See, charmers want to be liked in interviews. Challengers want to be respected and heard examiners want to get it right and harmonizers want to fit in and those four different styles go about making an impression in a totally different way and from that your biases come so i think the first step is understanding your your unique interview style and then obviously i have a book coming out january 30th called interviewology the new science of interviewing where i outline all four interview styles so if you get your own personal profile you figure out who you are and then from there, you can start to understand how to do some people reading, right? If you understand that, hey, I'm a charmer in interviews and I want to be liked, I want to make a connection and I want to tell stories. And you get into an interview with someone who's really tough and they're asking you a bunch of questions. You feel like you're in a firing squad. You'll be like, wait a minute, this person must be a challenger in interviews. And they interview in a totally different way than me. It doesn't mean that they don't like me. And it doesn't mean that I'm unprepared. It just means that our wires are getting crossed. So those are some of the ways that I would prepare someone for the interview process. Well, let's talk about interview tactics. Um, what are some good interview tactics to keep people from gaming the process? I've certainly been got before where I interviewed somebody and then they sort of work for me and I'm like, this is not the person that I interviewed with, right? So <laughs> um, 
how, what kind of tactics can you use? I've heard of people saying that you should interview them three different ways, like written exam, a phone interview, and then an actual in-person interview. Do you agree with all of that? I think it's not about, I think it's more about having rounds or phases where there are other people involved. I think so you can't just, and this is hard for, for small business owners. Maybe you're the only decision maker, but recruit a mentor or someone else that can interview them, not with you, but it, by themselves, right? So you can debrief afterwards because some of the hardest hiring decisions to make is when you're doing it in a vacuum because making complex decisions about people like who to hire when you have an impression about them can be very difficult when you're alone. You interviewed them, you really liked them, you have this job you need filled, like you don't see the harm, right? But if you had two other people that also interviewed them, and you could call them up and say, well, what did you think? What was your impression? And before you recruit these people to interview with you, and hopefully those people work at your company and they're also managers, you would set out, you know, you would write out what you want in this person. These people would be your accountability partners. It's really difficult to hire in a vacuum by yourself. So that's my biggest piece of advice to make sure that you are getting different perspectives. So you're not having to make this decision alone. So you're not a fan of panel interviews, <laughs> I take it. No, no. Panel interviews are wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. If you have three or four people that are different, right? I'm not a fan of an interview where it's three middle-aged white guys. No, I'm not. Like we need diversity in the interview process because we need a diversity of perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I want someone from HR. I want someone from IT. I want someone from marketing. I want some from different perspectives throughout the organization. And mm -hmm. everyone in that panel interview has a role, has a responsibility. There's a note taker, there's a timekeeper, and everyone's asking the same question. Now, panel interviews are great, or you can do them individually. Panel mm. interviews often save time, though. Those four people are all available in that, you know, hour and a half time frame. Got it. Now, how do you feel about testing like disk profiles and Myers-Briggs and that kind of stuff? Are you a fan of that? Well, first of all, I don't know if many people know this, but Myers-Briggs is not scientifically accurate. It's actually based on drunk science. It's sort of a fun Cosmo quiz. Uh, DISC, I'm a huge fan of. It's an excellent assessment, but you can't use these as pre-employment assessments. Um, it, it, you know, you can use other pre-employment assessments, especially if it's geared toward the technical aptitude of the position. Uh, let's say you have you're hiring for a coder or a software engineer or, you know, someone that has a very specialized technical skill. You can give them a test on that technical skill. That's absolutely legal. And you should do that. But we don't want to test out using assessments, especially in a pre-employment process, because some of them are rife with bias. And I think DISC is wonderful, but I think it's a great communication tool post-hire and great for organizations culturally, but not in a pre-hire assessment. All right. What is the best business advice you've ever been given? Well, I think it comes from my favorite business book ever, which is good to great, which is in order to have a successful business, you don't have to do something wildly unique. You don't have to kill yourself and bend over backwards to think of something that like, you know, 
is so special or something. All you have to figure out is what can you do better than anyone else? What's your hedgehog concept? What are you uniquely gifted to do? And then show up every single day and do that. You know, consistent discipline applied every single day creates remarkable results. And I think a lot of people think that like luck just happens to some people or, you know, how amazing is it that they were so disciplined to stick with it? I think the discipline actually grows the more that you do it. And some of the best advice I ever got was, it really actually doesn't matter how I feel. I'm going to do the things on my calendar, right? I live and die by my goals and my calendar. So if I have to create four TikTok videos today, I'm creating that. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what's going on. Consistent discipline applied every single day will create amazing results. I love it. I believe that as well. Thank you so much, Anna, for being here and all of your great interview tips. And with that, I want to leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Hey there, side hustlers and future business moguls. Are you ready to up-level your game? Get ready for the Small Biz Lady University one-day virtual startup boot camp on January 16th, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's where dreams take flight, ideas become reality, and coffee is going to become your best friend. Join us for just $97 at smallbizladyuniversity.com forward slash startup boot camp. Get in the fun. Let's hustle. Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, succeedasyourownboss.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.